Welcome to the PA Books podcast. PA Books is a production of PCN, the Pennsylvania Cable Network. This program features interviews with authors of books on Pennsylvania people, history, sports, business, nature, and politics. While the focus is always on Pennsylvania, topics like the Revolutionary War, the Battle of Gettysburg, the Industrial Revolution, the coal and steel industries, and authors like John Updike, David McCullough, and John Grogan have a universal appeal. We hope you enjoy this podcast. This week on PA Books, the author of Lenape Country, Jean Sauterland. Gene Soderlund, author of Lenape Country, Delaware Valley Society Before William Penn. What got you interested in the subject? Well, it was a process for me because the field of colonial American history has changed a great deal since the 1980s. Prior to then, the Native Americans simply weren't part of the story or in any positive way. And then several historians indicated that we were missing a great deal. And my own background, my dissertation, was on the Quakers and slavery. And I had worked on the papers of William Penn. So I was very much involved in the um, mainstream history, if you will, by that time, by the 1980s. But was very much aware also of the ongoing trend you know, in our field. And so, more and more books were coming out, including those focusing on Pennsylvania. But, and that's where it ended, that the story started with William Penn and his plans and hopes for the uh, colony. And then when the authors integrated or focused on the interaction between Pennsylvanians and Native Americans, they started there, and Penn was given the credit, you know, for bringing peace, ideas of peace and freedom, and trying to establish good, good relations with the Lenapes and other Native Americans who lived in the area. So the story started there, and I had I grew up in New Jersey, and I had learned about Lenapes in New Jersey, and. Lenapes who were still there after the Seven Years' War, whereas the mainstream narrative of um, the middle colonies was that the Lenapes, and as they were called in the 18th century by the British, the Delawares, moved west. And really, there were no Native Americans left in the middle colonies after the Seven Years' War. So, I needed to come to grips with this uh, difference. You know, colonial historians saying that there were no Indians left in the middle colonies after the Seven Years' War, or even earlier after the Walking Purchase, and the fact that I knew that there were Native Americans still in New Jersey from other reading. So I decided to write a book on the New Jersey Delawares. And I had even had a contract with the University of Pennsylvania Press for a book along those lines, The Jersey Indians. 
So I wrote a couple of articles for um, books, book chapters basically, on the Jersey Indians in the 18th century. And what I found going forward from that was that the history was much more complex. If you start with the Dutch, when they enter the Delaware Valley in about, well, 1615. And so what I decided at that point was to change the focus. And I learned as I read the documents. I mean, I didn't start out thinking that I was going to write a book that was going to challenge the understandings we had about uh, native Pennsylvania, New Jersey colonists uh, relations. And I, I think that's, the where, that's where the documents took me. What did you learn? Well, I learned that three myths that we have held are simply myths. They're not fact. One, is that, one myth is that William Penn brought the ideals, the principles of peace and freedom, good relations with Native Americans uh, to the Delaware Valley. And that's not true. Really, uh, an important part of my thesis is that these principles were here with the Lenapes. And what they did over the time frame from about 1630 to 1631 to when Penn receives his charter for Pennsylvania in 1681 is to establish a close relationship with some of the Europeans who settled in the uh, Delaware Valley. And that uh, these, these principles started with the Lenapes because they were very much interested in freedom. That was like the foundation of their, their belief system. And they believed, unlike other Native Americans, that the way to uh, keep one's freedom is by not going to war and not being a, a warlike people. And so they saw the connection between peace and freedom. I want to read what you wrote. You say the Lenape identified themselves as a free people subject to no one and as a group that had no interest in destroying the liberty of others. They believed that peace and freedom like war and slavery went hand in hand. Right. So, so the idea of tolerance and getting along with others came from the Lenape and not from William Penn? Yes. Well, I don't think we can be quite as simple as that because the Quakers, William Penn certainly brought these principles with them. But it was a process that was ongoing. That is a, a process of developing a culture that started with the Lenapes, grew with the Swedes and the Finns and Dutch and others who, who settled in the Delaware Valley, uh, incorporated people of all different backgrounds and uh, opposed heavy-handed authority. So my, my point there is that it's not s simply a matter of static beliefs or principles, but this culture that developed in the Delaware Valley, a culture that has ideals. I mean, I'm not suggesting that we always live up to these ideals. We certainly don't. Um, there's certainly, certainly been enough hatred and imposing one's authority on others in the, in, the, in the Delaware Valley. But these principles are there. 
And it was a process of, of, of in which the Europeans and the Native Americans worked out a culture that they were able to transmit uh, through actions that they took, through statements, through ways of working together, so that they did have an impact on the, what we consider to be uh, a, a culture, the Delaware Valley culture. Are there documents you can find that tell this story from the Lenape perspective? Well, that's very difficult. I mean, there are basically three different uh, sources for historians seeking to tell a story like this. Uh, one is archaeology, and through that you can learn um, something about the changing cultures of the Lenapes, you know, for millennia. And then um, you can also learn something about the interactions uh, between Europeans and Native Americans through archaeology as well, because you can find European objects uh, as well, and where they are and in what quantity is useful. Then you have documents created by Europeans. And I used uh, more of, of that as evidence than anything else. Uh, the third, before I forgot, forget to say third, <laughs> is oral uh, culture. And I did interview a number of people who have Lenape background for the book, but that was um, a rather minor part of, of my source, source list because I wanted to try to stay within the time frame uh, and try to use sources as much as I could from the time period, moving from the early 17th century into the 18th century. So the challenge that historians have is trying to figure out what the Lenapes were thinking and doing uh, from European documents. And so we, we say that we're uh, interpreting across uh, the, the, the line. That is, we're trying to uh, get to the truth, or to the extent you can say anything you know is true, um, trying to gather as much about the Lenapes thinking and actions from these European documents. And, you know, I was thinking this morning in, in you know, thinking about what we would be talking about, and we do the same for Europeans as well. You know, and I did quite a bit of that here. I mean, historians generally have uh, worked with documents created by, by Europeans, but have thought about, okay, what are their true motives? You know, what were they really, what did they really believe? Because you have to say, okay, who are they producing this document for? And in the case of the Swedish governors, uh, they were sending reports back to Sweden about what they were doing, what was happening, and they wanted to put the best face they could on what they were doing and what was happening. And so you had to look at what else was going on. What were other documents indicating at the same time and put what was happening in the Delaware Valley into the larger uh, context. So there are a number of examples that I could give um, if, if you want to talk about. Sure. Well, one example of how it works for both the Europeans and the Lenapes is what Francis Jennings, the historian, 
uh, who, who just was wonderful in terms of his work, uh, called the, the deed game, where Europeans would seek to get as, as much property as they could from the Native Americans in order to show their superiors back in, in Europe you know, how successful they were. So when the Swedes came, they went up and down the Delaware uh, River um, talking with uh, various Lenape groups and, and writing deeds for the property they wanted and then um, getting the, the, the Lenape leaders, the sachems, to sign. And so in the case of, of uh, uh, the area around Wilmington, okay, and, and north to the falls where Trenton is today, and, and south as well to Cape Henlope, and then, then on the other side of the river, they would have these deeds, the natives signed, the uh, Swedish governors sent back these deeds to, to Sweden and said, okay, we own, we own the Delaware River. Well, as far as the Lenapes were concerned, <laughs> they owned a patch of land, okay, enough to raise crops to support a trading post because the Lenapes were most interested in trade. Did, did, this, did Sweden, first of all, what was going on in Sweden back then? This is 1630s? Right, uh, 1638. Why would they have been sending people to the New World? Well, they they wanted they were they saw themselves as, as part of the European system. So they wanted colonies in the New World. They did, and and they had uh, several colonies elsewhere in the Atlantic uh, area, but this was their own only colony in North America, and it lasted only from. Uh, 1638 to 1655, when the Dutch took over. But the Lenapes were still in charge, uh, <laughs> even though we think in terms of European conquest, they weren't conquering the Delaware Valley. Well, uh, how many Swedes were there at the time relative to the number of Lenape who were th or in the area? Yeah. Uh, New Sweden was very small. It, uh, at, his, it, at its largest population, when it was still New Sweden, it had 400 inhabitants. For most of the time, it had about 200 inhabitants. You, you use the phrase Swedish nation in the book. Did they consider yes. themselves a nation? Well, nation had different meaning at the time. And it, we would think of it as a town, basically, or maybe a county at this point, where this group had integrity as a people, uh, but they, they uh, and they had a small government. And at the point where it's called a Swedish, the Swedish nation is after the Dutch take over. And the Dutch start calling them the Swedish nation. And it was interesting. And it, it also shows the collaboration between the Lenapes and the Swedes and Finns because a year after, in, in 1656, a year after the Dutch took over the colony, a ship came from Sweden with 100 passengers who were mostly Finns. And it, it's the Mercurius uh, affair uh, that I'm going to talk about. But what happens is that 
They have lots of trade goods, which were of interest to the Lenapes in the fur trade. And then it had Finns, who uh, were very much uh, like the Lenapes in, in some ways. So the ship comes into the Delaware, uh, stops at uh, one of the forts, and the Dutch uh, commander of the fort is very much concerned and contacts Peter Stuyvesant, who's the governor of New Sweden, and says, okay, what do we do? Uh, do we let them land or do we send them back to Sweden? And Peter Stuyvesant has no question about it. He says, send them back. <laughs> they can come here to Manhattan and you know, bring on supplies, but under no circumstances can we let them stay here because they would augment the um, allies of the Lenapes, and they uh, would also be competing with the Dutch with those trade goods. They just, he didn't want more Swedes and Finns in the Delaware Valley. And so um, th the ship got ready to leave, and uh, when the Lenapes became aware of their departure, they went on board with some Swedes and Finns as well, and, but the Lenapes made it clear, you're not going back to Sweden, you're staying here. Otherwise, we will uh, attack both you, the Swedes and Finns, and the Dutch. You know, they're, they're ready, they're threatening this. Why did they want them there? Well, the previous year, with the contest over um, New, you know, New Sweden, with the conquest, the actually even a year before that, the Lenapes and the Swedes and Finns had become closer. We have to remember that the Lenape population was declining from smallpox and other diseases. So whereas they had probably been about 8,000 people uh, in 1600, they were more like 4,000 people uh, during this time period. So they were looking for allies, the Lenapes. And they were very much interested in you know, making peace. They promised to let the uh, Swedes and Finns know if they heard that they were going to be attacked. And in fact, they warned the Swedes that Stuyvesant was going to attack New Sweden in 1655, but the Swedes couldn't do anything about it in why, any case. Why did the Dutch want to take over New Sweden? To control the trade. The uh, trade was important because it wasn't simply local, but rather the Susquehannocks, who lived along the Susquehanna River near here, uh, um, had contacts with the natives in Canada. You know, and they had established a very lucrative trade with the, Euro the Hurons and other people of, of northern, not northern, but of, of Canada, and even central Canada, which was where the uh, best furs were, because the winters are cold, and it's a, col a colder climate. And so the beaver trade was very important. And so th the earlier, the Susquehannocks had established an outlet on the Delaware River. So the Lenapes and the Susquehannocks both were very active, looking for trade, and so the Dutch wanted to control that trade. 
were back in Europe, were Sweden and the Netherlands at war around then? No. It was not part of a larger European war? No, no. Um, in fact, they were quite close in terms. The first group of colonists who came to New Sweden were largely Dutch. I mean, at least a third of the men who came, there were 24 men who came, and at least a, a third of them were Dutch. The first governor, Peter Minui of New Sweden, was Dutch. The Dutch had established colonies. Um, they were in uh, New Netherland, for example, and other places uh, around the world. So they had the know-how, and so the Swedish company took advantage of that know-how. What was the Swanendel massacre? That is very interesting because the stereotype of the Lenapes in popular culture is that they were very peace-loving. And there are many stories about why the Lenapes attacked that colony which was near Cape Henlopen, where Lewis, Delaware is now. And the Dutch sent a, a group of about 30 men to establish this colony uh, that would not only be a trading post, but also be the start of plantation agriculture in, in the Delaware Valley. And they bought the land, they bought a large strip of land, they said, from the Sikoni sinks who were the Lenapes who lived in the area. And so this group was sent. The first thing that they did after building their house and, and starting to uh, grow crops, tobacco and corn, was to send another, uh, well, to send a ship across the bay to buy another uh, plantation where Cape May you know, stands or is. And so when they came back, the Sikonisinks were very much concerned because the Dutch didn't have enough trade goods left after they had crossed. And so the Sikonisinks started to wonder exactly how um, this plantation was going to develop. According to the, what we can know about what the Sikonisinks thought, they thought they sold enough land for a, a trading fort and you know, a farm to help support it. When they saw these men uh, working in the fields and they became concerned. And then the, the, the Dutch set up a sign, uh, the, the sign of the Netherlands, you know, establishing ownership uh, over you know, a broad swath of land one of the sachems uh, took down the sign and made pipes out of the tin. And the Dutch became very you know, upset about it. And so they, they said to some of the Sikoni sinks in the area, you know, bring in the culprit who did this. Uh, uh, we want you know, to talk to him about it. The Sikoni sinks thought that this was a major offense in the uh, eyes of the Dutch. And some of them went out and killed the man who, who uh, cut up the, the sign. 
when the Dutch heard that, uh, they, they took in his head. Uh, and when the, the Dutch talked to them, they, you know, they said, this isn't what we expected. Uh, we just wanted to talk to him, you know, say, don't do it again, you know. Now, that was the story that was given to the Dutch captain, David de Vries, by a Sikonising when, when he came. And, you know, that makes sense. But it's, the reaction was too broad for simply a situation where a man uh, was killed, you know, by misunderstanding. Normally, the, the uh, Lenapis, the Sikonisings, would have required the Dutch to give compensation to cover the death of the man. And in fact, they had actually killed him, so it wasn't as if the Dutch had. But I think they interpreted the situation such that they saw the Dutch as being uh, uh, of offending, uh, and so they saw them as the murderers of the, this man. So the uh, Sakona Sinks went back, talked to the family of the man who, who killed, and um, they came back and killed all of the inhabitants of, of the uh, plantation. That's much too much of a um, reaction. The, the Lenapes conducted mourning war, but that was only when the offender didn't compensate by covering the death. So there were another, uh, uh, there were other uh, explanations that historians have given. Uh, one has suggested that the animals, the livestock that the Dutch brought with them were unfamiliar to the Lenapes, and therefore they were uh, very much concerned about these, this, this situation, this colony. My own interpretation, and I spent a lot of time working on this, is that the Sakona Sinks had, had seen what happened in the Chesapeake, where the Virginians had come in taken as much land as they could and killed many of the natives in the area and stole their corn, uh, burned their villages, and took over, basically. And they didn't want that to happen in the Delaware Valley. And so when they saw what they considered a plantation colony, and that's what it was, that's what the uh, Dutch planned to do, they just said, we're going to stop this altogether and, and uh, killed everyone. Well, uh, can we just do an overview of who the Lenape were and where they lived and what some of their customs were, how they were structured? Sure. The uh, historians have approached who the Lenape were from different perspectives. Some have said that they were the people who lived from northern Delaware into eastern Pennsylvania all the way up into southern New York. Uh, others, and, and I'm included, including myself here, uh, see two people uh, in that expanse of land, and that the Lenapes were the people who lived from central New Jersey, uh, from Trenton approximately south to northern Delaware, and then in eastern Pennsylvania up into the Lehigh Valley. Whereas the Muncies uh, 
were a somewhat different group, but very much allied with the Lenapes, who lived in the area from central New Jersey up into southern New York. Well, were they part of the Iroquois nation? No. Uh, they were part of the Algonquian uh, group of Algonquian-speaking Algonquian people uh, whose uh, language uh, was quite similar but ranged in a number of dialects. Like the Munsees and the Lenapes could understand one another very well, but they did have different, somewhat different customs and had different perspectives. The Lenapes, and, and here uh, this goes back to my thesis in, in saying that the ideas of peace and freedom started with the Lenapes, uh, were very much concerned about freedom, personal freedom, in that uh, both women and men had the freedom to choose marriage partners. They could also divorce. And they uh, were very loving parents and gave their children quite a bit of freedom. You say, unlike their European counterparts, native women held an equivalent status with men in their families and society, a fact that certainly accounted for the male European censure. Yes, yes. Males, uh, Europeans didn't like that. No, uh, they thought that uh, the Napi society was much too free and open, democratic, you might say. That, and here we have to be careful because we have to remember that it was um, the higher status Europeans who wrote this, you know, because many Europeans were not able to write. And so what, like, like the Native Americans, we have to try to understand what they were thinking no, without their writings uh, indicating their attitudes. How did the Lenape get along with other tribes in the area? I mean, were other tribes the, the uh, peaceful, cooperative types, or did they have wars with their uh, neighbors? Yeah, they got along very well with the Munsees and with the Nanticokes and other northern Delaware and Maryland Eastern Shore groups. They had a war with the Susquehannocks. Uh, that was really inspired by the Dutch trade because the Susquehannocks were looking for an outlet for that trade that they had established into Canada. And they tried in the northern Chesapeake, and that worked out for a while, but then ended. And so they uh, wanted to push the Lenapes out of the Delaware Valley. And they attacked in the late 1620s, and they did push the Lenapes who were living on the west bank of the Delaware across into what, what is now New Jersey. That war lasted eight or 10 years. Uh, we have just spotty records of, of what was happening there. But the Lenapes were not defeated. They retained their sovereignty over that area, but they made allies of the Susquehannocks. Uh, what the two groups agreed to was that the Susquehannocks would be able to trade in the Delaware Valley, but not that they had taken over control of the land. And that's a dispute, disputed point in the historiographies. Some historians have said that the Susquehannocks did take over the land um, and that the actually New Sweden was a client nation of, of the Susquehannocks. But 
That's not true because if you read the deeds carefully, it's the Lenapes who are making the deals with the Europeans, not the Susquehannocks. The Susquehannocks were in attendance uh, at some of these conferences, but they weren't the ones who were actually selling the land. Now, the Lenapes were also involved in a war between the Susquehannocks and the Western nations of the Iroquois in the early 1660s. They fought with the Susquehannocks in that war. And the Susquehannocks after that point were very much diminished in population. Otherwise, the Lenapes were at peace with the uh, Native Americans and also with the Europeans. Was the Lenape relations with the, the Dutch, once the Dutch came in and took over, any different than it had been with the Swedes or the English later on? I mean, did they get along with the different groups at different rates? Uh, they did. Um, well, with the Swedes, relations uh, were not terribly good in the mid-1640s. Uh, Johan Prince was the governor. He was a military man. There's a governor, Prince Park, in yes, Tenneco. that's right. right yeah, mm -hmm. he was a very big man. Uh, the the uh, Native Americans called him Big Belly, <laughs> and he saw them, you know, as a military man, and actually f was taking more land. I, I I'm pretty sure this is what caused the problem than the uh, Lenapes expected. To have taken from them. And so the Lenapes killed about five Swedes and Finns in New Sweden in the mid-1640s. But by the early 1650s, and then after the new governor, Johan Riesing, came in 1654, they started to make a really positive alliance uh, with the Swedes and the Finns. And then I mentioned earlier, you know, the Mercurius affair. And in that case, several things were going on, but I, I guess the most important for your question is that the Lenapes were looking for allies. They had ally, they were allied with the Munsees, allied with the Susquehannocks, but they also welcomed the small numbers of Europeans as uh, allies as well. The, the, uh, Swedes and the Finns and the Dutch all kept small uh, towns, if you will, or, or, or hamlets. And they looked very much like the Lenape towns, you know, in terms of size, in terms of agriculture. And so with friendship, the two groups could ally together. The Lenapes viewed them as part of their society, not merging as people, but keeping, you know, being close to one another, uh, adjacent neighborhoods. And they also freely entered each other's towns. At what point, a, when Riesing is, is governor, uh, a, res, a visitor comes from Maryland and says, you shouldn't be allowing Lenapes to come into your town this way. It's simply, it's, it's dangerous. And he said, well, that may be true, but it's too late now because they've been, you know, visiting us and we've been visiting them, you know, for, for a long time. 
and you can't stop it now. There was a, a mutiny against uh, by the Swedes against uh, Governor Prince. There was. Uh, they considered his uh, governance heavy-handed, and they drew up a petition to send back to to Sweden that included instances where he had uh, taken the land of a Finnish couple because he wanted, according to this petition, he wanted the land for another manor. He already had the manor on Tinicum Island. He wanted another one in what is now Delaware County. And they, they, they cited many different complaints that they had against him. He took it very seriously. He killed um, a member of the military. You know, they had a small group of troops. Uh, one of them signed on to this petition and he had him executed. He arrested the minister and another freeman and then he promised the others that you know they would be punished as well. But they, that petition helped to push him out because he needed the support of these people. It, he, he, he couldn't have most of the freemen in New Sweden against him. So he left with most of his family. Okay. He had a daughter who stayed behind. She sounds like an interesting character. She, in your book. she is. Uh, Armagard Prince. And she marries uh, Johan Papagoya, who came to New Sweden as a lieutenant. He stays, but quickly he, he writes back to um, a uh, government official in Sweden and says, I can't stay here without a wife and because I can't do everything that women do here, you know, cooking and cleaning and, you know, and I simply, I'll have to leave if I, uh, if I can't attract Armagard to be my, my wife. And she was still young. She was only... 19 or so, and, and she says, said, no, uh, I'm not interested at first. And her father also wasn't entirely interested, and, and you know, he supported her. But finally, they get married. But she was only about 20 at the time. And she, we lose sight of her for a few years. And then with the conquest of New Sweden by the Dutch, her husband, Papagoya leaves, and she's and, and her father had left as well, and so she stayed to manage the two estates of Johan Prince, and I argue um, in the book that she became a, a central figure in New Sweden, and I say I argue it from the actions that take place uh, while Reising was. Uh, governor and her, her father obviously had left and her uh, husband had also left. She uh, challenges his authority, the governor's authority. She uh, tries to attract, in fact she does attract, several officers in the Swedish company and she attracts the chief negotiator interpreter with the Susquehannocks and the Lenapes to uh, come and, and work with her to manage the estates and also to be more uh, active in the fur trade. With, and so Riesing 
puts up a fight and says, tells these men that they better stay with the company or he was going to report back and they would be in trouble. And so they stay with him. But she had really challenged his authority there. And I don't know what, what might have happened if she had been able to you know, hold her own there. I don't think she would have tried to be governor, but, but later on you can see where she's still being a central part of that, that society. You talk in your book how the, the original settlers were predominantly men by 80 or 90 percent. Was there much intermarriage with the Indians? Again, I, I know from later information that is not at, at the point uh, of New Sweden that there, there had been intermarriage because many of the Lenape leaders by the mid-18th century were uh, people who's, who's descended from both uh, Europeans and Lenapes. They, they were, um, and, and also, you know, throughout early America, with such skewed uh, sex ratios, uh, we know that European men intermarried or established uh, relationships with, with Native women. And so that's definitely an important part of how these two uh, peoples, that is, bunching together the Europeans and the Lenapes, you know, established uh, a good relationship. When do the English show up? The English take over New Netherland in 1664. And the uh, military who had been assigned to take over Manhattan and actually all of the land owned by the Duke of York to the eastern side of the Delaware River decide that, well, even though the, uh, we haven't been told to take over the western bank as well, they extend their conquest to what is now Delaware and, and Eastern Pennsylvania. So they take over in 1664. And you had asked earlier about the relationship of the Lenapes with the English. That was really poor uh, for at least 10 years. Uh, the Lenapes were much concerned that the English now had colonies from Massachusetts, from New England to the Carol Carolinas. And they knew that they would have more trouble uh, negotiating with the English. Looking at the experience that other Native Americans had had with the English. And so, but they were willing to try. Uh, the uh, bad relations didn't occur immediately. But by the late 1660s, the Lenapes realized that what the English wanted to do was take their land and that with that they would lose their sovereignty and they thought they'd lose their freedom as well. They were much concerned that the English were involved in slavery and so the last thing they wanted was to be enslaved. So they engaged in what we could call morning war. Uh, that is a uh, war in which the Lenapes set atoned or, or looked for a way to get compensation for the death of their, their families. 
they, they didn't uh, conduct morning war in the same way as the Iroquois. This is morning with a U? M -O -U yes, yes, oh. yeah, right. Yeah. They're, they were in mourning for their lost loved ones. Did the English kill many of the Lenape? No, no. Um, and that is because of the way in which the Lenapes and the Swedes and the Finns and some Dutch allied together because the English did not send many troops to the Delaware Valley. The memory of Swanendale was still there and so they did not immediately try to establish large plantations there. They had a lot to do in Manhattan and the New York area, so they were focusing there initially. But by the late 60s, uh, Governor Francis Lovelace decided that he wanted to establish more hierarchy uh, over the uh, Delaware Valley. And the, the Swedes and Dutch and Finns stuck around after the English took over? Yes. They didn't go back home? Yeah. Right. They did. They had established relationships there, the farms, improvements, and I mean, some did. Uh, some certainly went to uh, Maryland. At this point, they weren't returning to Sweden for the most part. Armagod Prince does, but most of the Swedes and, and the Finns stayed there. It was a good country, and uh, they had good relations with the natives. And so together, they really uh, fought off the efforts of the English to take over. And this happened in a, a couple of different ways. The Lenapes killed at least 10 English uh, and their Dutch allies during the 10 years after 1664. This is when Lovelace is, is governor. And Lovelace, refuses to follow patterns that the Dutch and the Swedish governors had done before. And that is he would not recognize that the natives could cover the deaths of people with wampum or other trade goods. It was you know, part of the Lenape culture and Native American culture more generally that rather than calling for the head or the body of, of someone who had murdered another, they would accept uh, compensation. Okay, so that's called covering the dead. And he also didn't recognize the importance of having treaties, of uh, renewing compensation for land on a yearly basis. And what he did was not meet with the Lenapes at all, had no treaties with them. And each time uh, uh, an English person was murdered by a Lenape, he uh, required that the person be brought in, dead or, or alive. And the Lenapes just said, forget it. <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing it. You, know, you come talk to us. Uh, you're settling in a way that is challenging our ownership of the land. And that's who the Lenapes were killing. It would be settlers in areas that had not been sold or had not been 
in any way compensated for. And that included land near the falls of the Delaware, Trenton area, uh, Burlington area in that area, and also in central Delaware. And so the Lenapes were really keeping the English under rein in saying, okay, if you go there, someone's going to kill you. Uh, they, so the, this to Lovelace was war. And so he called upon the Swedes and the Finns and the Dutch and the English in the Delaware Valley to declare war on the Lenapes. And he kept, you know, he sent, kept sending messages. Where was he at the time? He was in Manhattan, New York. And he may have gone somewhere else. I think he, he did go other, to other parts of the, uh, New York, but he didn't visit the, the Delaware Valley. And so he kept sending messages and saying, you're not doing your duty. Uh, the New York governor is getting people together to fight the Lenapes, which they didn't do in any case. Uh, you should be ashamed of, of not, you know, being courageous enough. And, and the Swedes and Finns would say to the English uh, commander in uh, Newcastle, would say, oh, it's too early to get together because we have to bring in our animals and our hay. And then a month later, they said, well, we still haven't gotten it in. And if we go now in the winter, the ice is going to be on the river and we won't be able to do anything anyway. So they you know, just put them off over this time. But basically, they had no intention whatsoever of going to war against the Lenapes. Uh, How much time between when the English showed up and when William Penn showed up? Uh, 1664 to 81. So that's, what, 15 years? Did things change when Penn arrived? Well, actually, things changed when Edmund Andrews became somewhat uh, governor for the Duke of York in... 1674. And he went back to recognizing the principle of covering the dead. He met with the Lenapes a number of times. He, at the first meeting with them, he came, came in saying, I want to be your friend. Let's resolve our problems. Was uh, he appointed by Penn? No, he's appointed by the Duke of York. Mm. So it's still under the Duke of York. And he really um, changes the tone of relationships. But he had to because the uh, natives of New England had, were fighting the colonists there in King Philip's War. In Bacon's Rebellion in Virginia and also parts of Maryland, the Susquehannocks were at war against the colonists there. Couldn't handle one more war. No, he was very much concerned. And, and the Lenapes threatened uh, to join against the war against the English as well. So he didn't have much choice, but he was also m much cannier than, than Lovelace had been. And he understood. He still wanted their land, though. You, you have a picture of uh, in your book of the painting William Penn's uh, Treaty with the Indians. And you say the painting helped to perpetuate the myths that William Penn originated good relations with the Lenapes and that they passively received his beneficence. Yes. Did they not passively receive his beneficence? Uh, no, they didn't. They <coughs> were definitely willing to sell land as they had sold to previous settlements. 
they were very happy to receive the trade goods, but they too uh, still these uh, expected annual gifts for the land, and they expected to have treaties. They definitely did not uh, expect as many people would come as did. Uh, I can't imagine that they understood that 8,000 English and other Europeans would arrive in five years after 1682. And so that became very much a concern to them. And while they were happy with the, the Quakers who came in peace and, and wanted to buy the land, they brought, Penn spent a lot of money on the trade goods that he first bought the land with. But by 1685, 86, the Lenapes realized that this was becoming English country. It wasn't really Lenape country, at least on the west bank of the Delaware. And Penn ran out of money. Uh, one of the reasons he left Pennsylvania in 1684, and he only stayed for two years, was that he had to go back to England and get his finances in order. Did, did Penn ever butt heads with the Indians? Not, not violently. Uh, they, he didn't have a militia. Uh, he definitely didn't want mm -hmm. to uh, have any kind of, of military action against them. And you say in here, uh, there, you have a, a transaction where William Penn was uh, trying to arrange a trade and the uh, Lenape thought they were, weren't being treated fairly. And you say Penn responded that he had given the Lenapes match coats, stockings, and guns as a down payment. And if therefore they are rude and unruly, you must make them keep their word by just course. If the Indians and the, this other guy, Tammany, the Indians will not punish him, we will and must, for they will, must never see you are afraid of executing the justice they ought to do. Yes. Well, Penn was giving instructions that I think it was Thomas Holm he was, he was writing to, and Holm didn't follow through. I mean, he, he tried to keep good relations, just as Governor Markham did too, uh, tried to keep uh, good relations because the Lenapes had the potential to do violence against the settlers. And they used that, they used the threats in order to keep power. Even though they were in the minority by 1686, uh, their population had decreased because of another smallpox epidemic in the late 1670s. So they were at a disadvantage in terms of their population that they had not had earlier uh, before Penn came. And so they used the threats to uh, convince uh, the Quakers, you know, that they, they couldn't do. You know. If the Quakers had been willing to use military action, uh, the colony could have gone in the same direction as others, you know, war and, and, and constant violence, whereas the uh, Tammany and, and other sachems from this, that area might kill some livestock or uh, threaten to burn homes. I don't think they actually burned homes at that point. What ultimately became of the Lenape? Well, they're here. They are still here? They're yes. still Lenape the, living? Yes. Well, 
Yes, in the, in the Delaware Valley. In, there are two groups recognized uh, by the New Jersey state government, uh, one in Bridgeton and one uh, in Burlington County. And in eastern Pennsylvania, there are about 12 different groups of Lenapes. But many, and, and probably most, Lenapes in the 18th century did move west and live in uh, Oklahoma and Canada and other places in the United States. Are you working on another book? I am. I'm working at, uh, on a book on New Jersey, on West New Jersey. I do spend a fair amount of time uh, in this book talking about relations between Native Americans and the uh, colonists in West New Jersey, though I, I think I focus more on Pennsylvania in, in this book. But I really want to write a social history of West New Jersey that includes the Lenapes. And your full-time job as a teacher? It is. It's, I'm a professor of history at Lehigh University. And what do you teach? Uh, colonial American history. And I've taught historical methods as well. Well, we've been speaking with Jean Soderland. She is the author of this book, Lenape Country, Delaware Valley Society Before William Penn. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast of PA Books, a production of PCN, the Pennsylvania Cable Network. We'd like to hear from you. Our email address is pabooks at pcntv.com. Like us on Facebook to learn more about PA Books.